to the Gospel of John chapter 1, John chapter number 1. I'll meet you there in just a little bit. I said a while ago I was so glad that God's given me uh, this opportunity to be here and be able to uh, preach this morning. I never take that for granted. It's a wonderful privilege that God has given to us and I don't always preach well, but uh, I can say I've never preached a sermon that wasn't important. If it wasn't important, you know, I I wouldn't have preached it. Some are more important than others, naturally, but if it comes from the Word of God, it's an important message. And I've never preached a, a message that is more important than the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Nothing is greater than that. But at different stages in our life, some messages are more important to us at that particular time than than others would be. And, and I make mention of this because uh, what I'm about to say in this message is absolutely essential to anyone living a life well spent. Whether you're 8 or whether you're 80, whether you're saved or whether you're unsaved, Our subject this morning is something that you need to think about, and that subject is eternity. You know, every preacher knows how difficult it is to to know what to say, you know, and what to leave out, because, you know, there's always more to be said about any subject than what we have time to deal with. And so this morning, I'm hoping that none of my None of my the students I had in homiletics class years ago at the Bible College, I hope none of them are listening, uh, because uh, I'm probably uh, going to go about this in a way that I wouldn't recommend to, to them or necessarily anyone else, because rather than an exposition of a particular verse in the Bible this morning, you know, take some section of Scripture and hone in on it and deal with it and take it apart and examine it and put it together and make an application instead of that. Uh, the message is going to be maybe more like a long introduction uh, to a message or m- maybe even the conclusion of a sermon. Uh, nobody but another preacher knows how it is that you can wrestle with such, you know, some subject that's on your heart. And and and, and you know that's the subject that you that, that, that you're supposed to preach on, but... Sometimes it gets so frustrating trying to get everything lined out in your head and make sure it comes out, you know, just right that, that I'm going to be honest with you. I was tempted, I was tempted to not even preach this message today because, uh, I, I wanted another week or so. In fact, at this stage of my life, if I could, if I could write one book, if I could just write one book, it would be on the subject of eternity that's exactly what it would be about and uh, the longer i've thought about getting ready for this message this morning the edge of eternity the more i've thought about it you know the more i think i i hope i have time and energy sometime in the near future to at least uh, uh put this message in some kind of a printed form because it's so dear to my heart all right, vacation Bible school starts tomorrow. Uh, I don't know exactly who come up with the theme. The uh, it's called uh, Time Lab. 
As you can see from all of the props behind me, that's what that's all about. Subtitle is Discovering Jesus from Eternity Past to Eternity Future. I love that theme. Discovering Jesus from Eternity Past to Eternity Future. That deals with the most important person ever, Jesus. It addresses the world's greatest need, which is discovering Jesus. It speaks about that which is eternal. Notice, from eternity past to eternity future. And the first thing that comes to my mind whenever I think about eternity, when I think about discovering Christ, is here in John chapter number 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Verse 4, in Him was life. Now verse 14, and the Word was made flesh. That's God. God was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. I literally could preach for hours from these first 14 verses of John, and I'm going to intentionally try to avoid anything that I think will come up during the course of these lessons here. Uh, I just want to focus on this one word, eternity. To get the wheels turning, let me ask you a question. You don't need to shout out the answer or anything, but I want you to think about it. Where does God live? Where where, where does God live? Somebody would say, well, He lives in heaven. Uh, But 2 Chronicles 2.6 says, The heaven and heaven of heavens cannot contain Him. Somebody says, oh, well, he lives in the temple. That was the house of God. Or he lives, maybe some would say, in the church or church building. But Acts 7, 38 or 48 says that the Most High dwelleth not in temples made with hands. So where does God live? The answer is in Isaiah 57, 15, where it says, He inhabiteth eternity. You see, while God is present everywhere, His home is eternity. He is without beginning. He is without end. He he has always been and always will be. He is before time, during time, after time. His home is permanent. His home is perpetual. So now you know where God lives, right? Eternity. But the question comes up then, Uh, What does that have to do with us? What does that have to do with us? What does it matter where God lives? Well, that's what I want you to see this morning. And I want to sum up the entire message this morning in one short statement. I wish I'd given this to Tim to put on the overhead where you would have it right there looking back at you. But I I failed to do that. But I I, I want to... give you this short statement and then we're going to take it apart one phrase at a time. Here it is. We are trapped in time, facing a forever future, living on the edge of eternity. 
in need of the hope of help. Let me say that again. We're trapped in time. And we're facing a forever future, living on the edge of eternity, and we're in need of the hope of help. Now think about each part of that. We are trapped in time. Now remember, for good or for bad, life is what it is. You know, we'd, you know, we'd like to dictate to God exactly how we think that it ought to be, but it doesn't work that way. It is what it is. You're not going to be able to change everything and rearrange it, you know, to suit yourself. It just doesn't work that way. You don't have the wisdom nor the power to, to make those changes. Life is what it is, but it isn't all there is. But the problem is many people live as though life is all there is. You know, they don't seem to realize that we live in a world where everything is temporary and passing away. It's said that Nero fiddled while Rome burned, and there are a lot of folks that are fiddling with stuff while time is burning in their life. Just absolutely consumed by their activities and the things of this world, and, you know, they're dying as they live, and yet they're living like they're never going to die, and they don't understand that all of those things that they value so highly are are just temporary. Health, temporary. I said Wednesday night, I said, you know, I don't really know what's going on, why it's happening or anything, but... Uh, and somebody, somebody said it was an answer to prayer, but I, I haven't been praying about it. But uh, somebody else said, well, I'm just bragging now. But I made mention of the fact that my weight had gone down to 203, from 265 to 203, which that puts it down to less than what it was when we got married 58-plus years ago, back to my high school days. And uh, so, you know... Uh, I think back now, <laughs> Brother Ken said a while ago, I, I don't see where you've lost it. You know, I, 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 I've never slapped a, <laughs> an associate pastor, but I thought, well, <laughs> uh, I guess that was a compliment. But <laughs> let me tell you, it's been rearranged anyway. Now, I mentioned all of that for... To say this, and that's because, you know, whenever you're young and you're healthy, and you, something about the way your brain works makes you think it's always going to be that way. I mean, I can remember used to, when I'd come up the stairs, I mean, it was just a part of my mannerisms. I bounced up the stairs. Well, I don't bounce up the stairs anymore. I've got to be careful that I don't bounce down the stairs anymore. Our health changes, and uh, and most of you here, you know what I'm talking about, aches and pains and all of the difficulties. You see, your health is deteriorating all of the time, but it's not just health, uh, uh, it, whether it's wealth, whether it's beauty. I'm not going to stay there, <laughs> because I got enough sense to know not to camp out on that spot, 
But I mean, let's face it, our, you know, our features change regardless of how much we resist or, you know, what we do. There are just changes that take place. Whether it's fame or fortune, whether it's possessions, whether it's pleasures or whatever it is. Look, folks, it's just a matter of time until all of that's gone. We are trapped here in time on this earth living a life where everything is in a state of decay, where everything is passing away. And we face a future forever. You know, sometimes we talk about people passing away. You know, we all know what we mean, right? So we'll say, you know, so-and-so passed away. But the fact is, no one ever entirely passes away in that they cease to exist. That just doesn't happen. You know, they pass from our presence. You know, they pass in the sense that they leave the earth, but they never cease to exist because we all go somewhere. That's why I'm saying that even though we live in this world trapped in time in, in a temporary place, all of us are facing a forever future somewhere. J.C. Ryle many years ago wrote, he said, the great unseen state of existence which lies beyond the grave is forever. Whether it is happy or miserable, whether it is the condition of joy or sorrow, we know that in one respect it will be utterly unlike anything in this world. It will be forever. And that's right. Because this world, everything is passing. It's all temporary. But we're headed for a place where it shall be forever. And sadly, most folks don't seem to see themselves as eternal beings. They have it in their mind some way or another that, you know, one of these days I'm going to, you know, die like a dog and they're going to bury my bones in the grave and that's going to be the end of it. I'll lapse into a state of unconsciousness, you know, forever, never know anything. You are so very wrong about that. You are trapped in time. You're facing a future forever. And you're on the edge of eternity. Peter wrote about that over in 1 Peter chapter 4. And I don't have time to read all of the verses related to it. But I want you to notice, he says in verse 7, But the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. And he goes on and mentions several things about what our manner of life ought to be. And then in verse number 11 says that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ in whom be praised and dominion. Notice, forever and ever. Amen. And to reduce all of that down to, you know, the bare minimum of words, Peter is saying what I just said. We are living on the edge of eternity. And yet, sadly, most folks are not really paying attention. You know, the fact that we fail to live with eternity in view makes our life more difficult and more dangerous. Suppose you lived on the edge of a cliff. I mean, right out on the very edge of a cliff. 
Let's suppose that you lived, your house was built right on the, right on the edge of a volcano. I mean, can you imagine that? Working up every morning and looking out your window and you look down into that big old pit just wondering if it's going to erupt at any moment. Well, I certainly suspect that your awareness would be heightened greatly. What if you knew you were dying? Think about it. What, what if you knew that you were dying? Would there, would there be any changes? Now let me tell you, you are dying. Every one of us, we're dying. Your heart is beating a death march to the grave right now. You could die at any moment or Jesus could come, you know, at, at any time. Every day brings us closer. That's why I say we live on the edge of eternity facing a future forever. On the edge of eternity. That ought to affect the manner in which we live. Suppose you had, the doctor said, okay, 24 hours. That's the most. That is the extreme limit. You've got only 24 hours and you're going to die. What would you do? Now, I'm not sure that you really know, but it's something to think about. What would you do? Well, let's suppose that you had a week. Or let's extend it and suppose that you had a month. What would you do? Well, it would be somewhat different than if you only had a day, right? Your plans would be a little bit different, but all of your plans would be in consideration of the fact that I've only got 30 more days. But let's suppose now that you extend that and you have the assurance that you're going to live for a year. Not a day, not a week, not a month, but you have the assurance that you're going to live for a year. Now, what you do during the course of that year would be very different than what you would do if you knew you only had 24 hours. It might be, knowing that you had a year, it might be that you would want to plant a garden. Who knows? You know, like, I don't want to die without some fresh vine-ripened tomatoes for sure. And, you know, and still got time, you know, it's the season of the year. I, 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 you know, I, I may be dead in a year, but I'm, I'm going to grow some tomatoes. You see, all of the decisions that we make would be in light of the time that we think that we have left. And I'm telling you folks, you are on the edge of eternity. And the decisions that you make and the things that you do, all of those ought to be in consideration of the fact that you are right on the edge and you don't know how close you are. I can't tell you how many times over the years, traveling with our eight children, going from place to place, that I've heard these words, Daddy, are we there yet? <laughs> wow. Are we there yet? No, we're not there yet. Even so, the whole world seems to know that there is an end that's coming. There's some folks even try to predict it. And, you know, they even have what they call the doomsday clock. You know, trying to warn us that we've got only X amount of days left here on this earth. 
So make no mistake about it, folks. The clock is ticking. And what Peter is saying there, what he's trying to get across to the people, he's trying to tell us that we are living between the near and the here. He says the Lord's coming. It's all going to come to an end. It's near. And you're living in between near and here. On the edge of eternity. And you don't know how much or how little time you have left. That's why we are in such desperate need. Notice the next phrase in that opening statement. We are in need of the hope of help. The hope of help. Open your Bibles to Colossians 1 verse 15. Colossians 1 and verse number 15. Paul, actually getting into verse 13, speaks about Christ who has delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son. And when we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins, isn't that wonderful? But notice what he says next. Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by Him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in the earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and by Him all things consist. Sounds like John chapter 1, amen? Living on the edge, what we need is the hope of help. And Paul is assuring those at Colossae that that hope is found in Christ. And that's why he says later on down in verse number 28, I think it is, verse, uh, where, where is it? Verse 27, that Christ in you is the hope of glory. There is hope. You're on the edge of eternity. Facing a future of forever. But there is hope. And that hope is found in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now remember we talked about the fact that none of us are passing away in the sense that we ever shall cease to exist. And remember this. Our future state in the unseen world of eternity is spent entirely on what we are when we exit the earth. Do I need to repeat that? Did you get it? What we are, what we shall be there in eternity, is all determined by what we are when we make our exit from this earth. That's, that's all determined then, because there are no second chances. It's not like, whoops, I, you know, I want to, I want to do a, I want to do over. No, no, there'll be no second chances whatsoever. Somebody says, but it seems so bleak, all of this picture that you're painting. No, it's not. It's glorious when you consider that as ugly as that picture is, thinking you're on the edge of eternity, you're about to go off in a forever future that cannot be changed after you take your last breath. The thing that makes it glorious is the fact that we have a faithful friend, a blessed Redeemer, that we can look to for help. Help now and help in eternity. Because it's through Christ that we receive eternal life. Eternal life. 
Not some momentary change or transformation of our character, but eternal life. And that becomes our personal, our present, our permanent possession. That's why, you know, we Baptists believe strongly in what's called the security of the believer. That's what the Bible teaches, eternal life. It's not something that we get later on. We have life right now, present tense. And once we've experienced that glorious transformation, and I love the way that Paul put it when he talked about us being delivered from the power of darkness and translated into the kingdom of His dear Son. What a wonderful picture that is. And whenever that has happened, we, living on the edge of eternity, facing that forever future, then we apply ourselves to do what we can. Notice verse three, chapter 3, verse 1. If you didn't be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above and not on the things of the earth. For ye are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ who is our life shall appear, then shall ye also appear with Him in glory. Wow, what a what an awesome, wonderful future we have as a child of God. On the edge of eternity, needing the hope of help. But next comes the exit into eternity. I hope you took time this morning to read the morning manna. I I wrote it with this in view. In fact, I attached a note at the bottom of it saying I'd be preaching on this subject today. I hope you read it and uh, because uh, it sets our thoughts on what we're talking about right now. As someone said, what we do in life echoes in eternity. What we do in life echoes in eternity. That, that is such a simple statement, but it is oh so profound because your exit into eternity is the termination of all that is temporary. Think about that. That's the termination. That's the end of all of this temporary stuff. Everything then will be written in stone. It will be rock solid. It will be unchangeable then. That's going to be a wow moment unlike any other. Randy Alcorn wrote, A moment after a man dies, he knows exactly how he should have lived. Boy, it would be so much better if we just read the good book and figured it out without waiting. Folks, I mention all this because I want you to understand the importance of living in the light of eternity. You've got to get beyond your bucket list. Rather than going for the gusto, you need to practice delayed gratification because, you know, the best or the worst, whatever it is, the best or the worst, it is yet to come. Jim Elliott, the famous missionary, said he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep in order to gain that which he cannot lose. Well, he was so right, and make no mistake about it, we will wish we had done so. When you make your exit into eternity, 
you will forever live with the results of whatever you are at that time. It, it's going to be too late for change. You know, I, 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 I'm stuttering because I, I don't even know what to say. I, I don't know how to say what is on my heart. I, I, what, I'm begging you, whatever you do, stop wasting your time and start investing your life in things that pay eternal dividends. It's going to be too late whenever you step over the edge. Let me tell you, God wants what's best for you. And the best thing any of us can do for ourselves is let God have His will in our lives. If you're here and you've never been saved, the best thing you can be do, in fact, the only thing you can do that is really of any benefit is for you to trust Christ as your Lord and Savior. Believe me, you don't want to die in your sins. You don't want to make your exit in that way. To go out into eternity, a forever, a forever future where you can't change anything about your status. You leave this world as a sinner and you live for the rest of eternity as a sinner condemned in a lake of fire. I'm begging you, don't make that mistake. You're on the edge, folks. And you don't know how near it is. And if you're here and, and you've been saved, you know you're a child of God, don't waste your life. Live the rest of your life with eternity in view, laying up treasures in heaven. I can't tell you how many years ago it was whenever, whenever I discovered 2 Corinthians chapter number 4 and I say discovered, I'd read it no telling how many different times, but I'd never really discovered it in the sense of it impacting my life. And, and, and as, as a Christian, and especially, and it seems like as the years go on, this chapter, maybe more than any others, along with Philippians 1.21, but this chapter has meant more to help me through life than than anything that I know of. And Paul is dealing here with the difficulties that he has been through. And Paul speaks about the fact that he I, I die daily. My life is continually on the line. He's, he's on the edge. He is suffering. He's hated. He's despised. And yet he has a responsibility to continue preaching the gospel and winning others. And the question is... How do you do that? How do you do that? And it's no secret. Verse number 17, he says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Wow. That's it. Paul is looking beyond this realm of time when nothing seems to make any sense when good people experience bad problems. 
when they suffer seemingly without any rhyme or reason. And yet they're expected to keep going. How do you do that? It's to realize that our afflictions, notice he said our light afflictions. Light? Are you serious? You, you read back at the things that he mentions there and the horrible suffering he went through. Oh, yeah, that's just light. But remember, it's light in comparison to the glory that awaits. That's what makes it light. He said, my, my focus isn't on these, these things that are seen, that is the temporary things that we've been talking about. We're trapped in time here in a world where everything is temporary. He said, my eyes are not focused on that. I'm looking out beyond. I'm looking over the edge and out into eternity. And that's what keeps me going. Amen. You see, the thought of eternity is so... It's so staggering to our mind that we can't, you know, we can't even find a way to really illustrate it. I've read so many different illustrations of eternity that, you know, I, I, sometimes I'm tempted to not even try. I think my favorite might be having to do with the little sparrow, you know, and you think about the, the great stone mountain there in Georgia, over 700 feet high. I think it's like 60 miles long or something or two miles long and uh, two miles wide or it's all this granite stone this huge mountain and if you could imagine one time every year this little sparrow flies up to the top of that mountain flies over the top of the mountain and as he does he just dips one feathery wing down and touches the top of that mountain how long would it take for that sparrow to wear that mountain down to level ground? Oh, you say, well, that'd be impossible. Well, let me tell you, however long that would be, eternity will have just begun. You, you can't measure eternity. It is forever and forever and forever. And in light of all of that, I want to go right back where I started and close. And I want to repeat what I said. We're trapped in time. We're living here on this earth, in this world, with everything that we hold dear that seems to be so important. It's all passing away. You're going to leave it. We're facing a forever future. And we're living right on the edge of eternity where the next step could send us over. And we're in need of the hope of help. Let me leave you with another thought from Peter. Because he's talking there in Second Peter chapter number 3 about the, the end of the world. He mentioned, you know, the end is near. We're between the, we're between the near and the here. And he says in verse 8, But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning His promises. Some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us. We're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Now listen carefully. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. Remember, you're on the edge. And the thief comes in a moment that, that you don't expect him. 
He'll come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, and the earth also, and all of the works that are therein shall be burned up. And here it is. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be? Living in the light of eternity. How should that affect you? If you're not saved, you need to be born again. If you are saved, you need to be living every day in the awareness that you are about to leave this world. Make your exit into eternity. The exit from earth to eternity. And whatever it shall be for all of eternity is going to be decided by what you are when you make that exit. I don't know about you, but I got a lot of work to do. I got a lot of work to do. Somebody says, I want to leave this old world of shouting. Well, I do too, but we can't leave this old world of shouting if our heart's not right with God. And this morning, if there's business you need to do with God, right now is the time to do it. Don't delay. You're on the edge. If you're lost, you need to be saved. If you've never followed the Lord in baptism, you need to do that right now. Stop this nonsense of waiting and waiting and waiting. Do it. You're on the edge. You might not have time some other time. Might not be any more time. You'll find yourself out in eternity, whatever it is. You say, well, someday I'm going to talk to my, I'm going to talk to my friend about Jesus. They're not saved and I've been aiming to talk to them. You you ought to go home and do that. You're on the edge. They're on the edge. And whatever it's going to be for all of eternity is going to be determined when they take that last step and exit earth and enter into eternity. God help us to live in the light of eternity while there's yet time. Let's pray. Father, how we thank You for all of the glorious opportunities that You've given us. We realize, Lord, that none of us deserve those those opportunities. We don't deserve the privilege of having ever heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, and yet... Because You loved us, even that while we were yet sinners, that You sent someone into our life, someone that crossed our path, someone that cared enough to tell us about Jesus. And how we thank You for that. And Lord, I just pray this morning that You'll help each and every one of us to set our affections on things above. Lord, to pursue those things that that You've promised that could be ours. Help us to apply ourselves to wisdom and live wisely in light of the fact that we're on the very edge of eternity. And I pray this morning for the one that's lost that they might be saved. And for all of us, for each and every child of God here today, that we'll leave here determined that from now on we're going to live our life Not in the light of the circumstances that are going on now. Not in the light of the hopes and the dreams that we'd like to pursue. But in light of eternity. 
that one of these days that we'll stand in your presence and give an account for the deeds done in the flesh. Bless us now this morning. We don't deserve it, but we come this morning asking it all in Jesus' name and promising you that we'll give you alone the glory for everything. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. While we